0: Hello, my name is Kate Genovese, and I am here with the um, Belmont Story Project. I am interviewing Irene Carver today. She is the author of a wonderful book called One Good Tree. We are at the uh, Belmont Public Library in the Claflin Room. Today is June 9th, uh, 2016. Boy, time is flying. It's already June. Um, so I'm going to be asking you some questions, Irene, on this wonderful book. First of all, how what inspired you to write this?
1: Well, it really is, as far as being in Belmont today, it's a Belmont history uh, from my life experience of the Vietnam War. So the inspiration came because I always felt like I really needed to honor my husband who died after the war and the other veterans in America who died after the war of Vietnam, and I always needed to write this story. So I just kept writing it for the last 20 years until it came to fruition this last November. Yes. And what are your ties with Belmont? Well, my earliest memory of Belmont, we lived right on the Watertown-Belmont line, Right. right by Cushing Square. But we were involved as teenagers with uh, the 400 Club in Waverly. And people my generation, graduating high school in 1966, will probably remember the police officer, George Moran. And he was a wonderful police officer here yeah. in Belmont. And he started a club in Waverly called the 400 Club. And he would really just trying to help the teenagers stay off the street and not get in trouble. And I was on the board of that little club at such a young age, I decided I wanted to help George. And um, he took us actually to Blinstribs to see uh, the Lennon sisters. And so <laughs> that was a wonderful early time with Belmont for me. Um, although I didn't get to go to Belmont High because I went to Mount Trinity Academy, which is now the Oakley Country Club, but it was a private Catholic high school. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think it's right next to Oakley, Mount Trinity. Mm -hmm. Is it it condos? Yeah, it's condominiums now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it was right across from uh, Our Lady of Mercy Church. Good old Our Lady of Mercy that is no longer there. Now I think that's condos as
1: well. Yes, I miss seeing that. I drove past that yesterday, and it was sad to see that beautiful church gone. I was married in that church to mm-hmm. my husband, Paul, who went over to Vietnam in the early years. It was 1966 when he first spent a year in Vietnam. Right, wow.
0: So I know you've been working on this book a long time. I'm, I love the title, One Good Tree um so i understand you um wrote this book mostly set in belmont so do you want to just go ahead and tell us a little bit not don't give away the whole story by any means because we want everybody listening to buy the book and read it (laughs) because it's so fantastic and i'm not just saying that because i'm your sister i really believe it's truly a wonderful memoir So would you mind telling the audience a little bit about it, Reen?
1: Well, no, I would love to, because I really want to honor the young men who gave their lives. And the first Belmont person to die in Vietnam was Donnie Ray. And he died on November 20th, 1967. And he was only 20 years old. And he was a dear high school friend of ours. And Paul and I were stationed at that time down at um, Fort Bragg, North Carolina when we got the call saying that Donnie had been killed in action. And so I do believe that that is the first Belmont boy who lost his life there. And after that, um, Paul joined the service. Paul McGrath was my husband, and he lived near Cushing Square Belmont as well. His family still owns the home down there. And um, Paul and I were in Fort Bragg, and he had joined with Teddy Lee and Richard De Benedetto, both graduated in 1965 from Belmont High School, and they went in the Army together, and they all joined in the 101st Airborne. And so when we were in Fort Bragg, it was now May 1968, and we got the sad call that Teddy Lee, who was by this time a sergeant in the Green Beret, he was killed on May 13, 1968 in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So it was just a great great sorrow for all of us and for all of Belmont of course you know mm-hmm. Just, we hadn't realized quite yet what a tragedy this war was about to become. Right. And the demonstrations hadn't started yet against the war. The draft didn't start till sixty nine, So these young men were the first on the lines to go in this town. And so I really always wanted to honor the veterans that I knew in this war and the experience, and that's what kept pushing me forward with the book.
0: Um, you know, I have a memory of that. I think you were you were living with Paul down in were you in Georgia then or
1: no it was North Carolina North Carolina Fort Bragg and
0: so I was in high school but at night um, Mom would put on the radio upstairs on the porch and the the they would announce in WBZ all the casualties and I remember us all gathering around and listening and saying oh what a relief somebody nobody we know has died but. The, that poor family, that that person that was just mentioned died, and and we all would say the rosary, and it was quite a memory, it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, also, did you mention the buddy system? Is is that what? Uh, well, Paul went under. Mm-hmm. Well, it, what they had, that? the
1: army said that if if three men joined together. They would keep them together. It was called the buddy system. So it was Paul and Teddy Lee and Richard De Benedetto that all joined the army. So he, they said they would keep them together. So they all went down to North Carolina all to right. the 101st Airborne <clears throat> together. So that's what that was about.
0: I see. And did um, Richard De Benedetto come back? He... Yes.
1: Yes, he was not injured. He came back.
0: Oh, that's good. Thank God. And. Um, what facts about the Vietnam War are the most important for you to share today? And uh...
1: well, actually, the point in my personal book is the tragedy of PTSD, which is still a very current issue, for the soldiers coming home from the current wars. And it's but back then in uh, the early '60s, I mean the late '60s. They didn't even know what post-traumatic stress was. It was not diagnosed as an illness or a syndrome or anything. So what happened to me in Paul is that he came home. President Johnson, there was a part of the war that was called Tet Offensive. It was the worst fighting of the war. And President Johnson came to Fort Bragg and sent the 82nd Airborne back into the war. And that's what ended up traumatizing Paul. And he went back for three months, and I came home and lived in Belmont with his parents. I was six months pregnant, and Paul was back in Vietnam. And when he came home in May of 68 from that experience, he was never the same. He had post-traumatic stress, and he was having all kinds of flashbacks, and nobody knew what this was. And uh, so it was really horrible. Um, that's when I think I would like to just read the facts in my epilogue because I copied this from the Vietnam um, website the Vietnam vets website and this is what really happened to our boys at this time in 1969 the Vietnam vets of America got Congress to approve non VA counseling 12 million dollars was allotted for counseling centers throughout the country depression and rage were a huge problem for Vietnam vets It was not until 1984 that a class action suit against chemical companies for Agent Orange was settled, and veterans received $180 million in damages. Until then, veterans were all ill and dying from exposure to that chemical used to defoliate the jungle. Veterans were dying of cancer and blood diseases, and their children were being born with physical deformities. And all the time, the U.S. government would not own up to the responsibility for any of this. No wonder our veterans were medicating themselves. Along with the trauma of war, they were disrespected and disregarded by the government they had fought for. The VA hospitals were overwhelmed with the problems of Vietnam veterans. Some of the hospitals were like nursing homes for World War II veterans. There was no policy and no structure for how to help the thousands upon thousands of Vietnam vets that were either trying to commit suicide or were committing crimes that landed them in jail or hospital. Either way, they were experiencing some form of psychological hell. The veterans seemed to be carrying the guilt for the whole nation over a senseless war that we were ashamed of and that we could not win that sums up my purpose in writing this book because there was thousands upon thousands and it's happening now the veterans coming home from iraq and iran they're killing themselves quickly these veterans from vietnam killed themselves slowly more with drug addiction it shows that my husband paul Um, started, because he got no help from the government and nobody understood, including himself, what was going on, he started self-medicating with heroin, which is also a big problem in today's world, that people are using this to medicate from all kinds of things. But I wanted to really honor these veterans because they didn't get honored by being on the Vietnam War Memorial. Teddy and Donnie are on because they died in action. But so many other veterans died after the war until America woke up. And these veterans had a fight for their rights, as I just read and i really want this book to hopefully support all the families of the veterans of today's current war so that they are not disrespected we cannot let our government get away with disrespecting the veterans so as i go about marketing my book that's going to be one of my main focuses is to make sure that the government is kept uh, responsible mm-hmm. if we're going to send our men in and women now to fight wars we have to treat them like the heroes they are not just over the television by saying thank the heroes, but with hospitals, with appointments on <laughs> time at hospitals, mm-hmm. all the things we see on the news—that's just not happening for our veterans. So that's my whole point here.
0: Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm wondering if it is much different in, from 1969 to now with the medical care. You know, if you if we ever did a comparative, if it is much different, I'm just wondering that. Um, a personal story, a friend of mine's son um, just came, from, came home from Afghanistan, and he has horrible back problems and needs surgery, and his insurance isn't covering it. His insurance, which is government insurance, won't cover it. That type of surgery, which is a shame. And I, un, I, I just don't get it, I don't understand what's happening. So to me, yes, we definitely have to do something. This is crazy. You well, know, these poor that's guys why we're here. Home.
1: That's why we're sitting here today as right. far as I'm concerned. Um, to make we all have to join together like these Vietnam veterans they had to join together and form this coalition and they fought for those millions Mm -hmm. and they fought for everything they got we shouldn't have to fight for these rights is the point right that these veterans should come home and they should be taken care of period and so that's how our voices need to be heard Mm -hmm. that's the difference we can make in Belmont Mm -hmm. Massachusetts is to help because there's veterans from Belmont that will be coming home. So we got to all have our voices heard, and that's what's mm. important is to not let the government mistreat our veterans.
0: Exactly. Um, but there are some fun parts in your book, some nice uh, stories. Uh, oh, yeah, it's full it's, of music. It's not, it's not doom and gloom. I mean, you have a lot of – you went to Woodstock.
1: Uh-huh. Well, it starts out at Woodstock, and my point in starting it at Woodstock, though, really was to get Paul's voice in, because I needed right away for the audience, my readers, to hear that I was going to be speaking from Paul's voice. So when the helicopters come in bringing the musicians, Paul has a flashback of the helicopters in Vietnam. So right away, all Paul's speaking in my book is italicized. And so Paul goes into a flashback at Woodstock. And so that's the point, really, of starting there. But there's lots of great music. One of the good things of living in Belmont was how close we were to Harvard Square. One of the most interesting things that I like to read to people is when we were all going down to Harvard Square to go to a Bonnie Raitt concert. And, you know, this beautiful old theater that's a bank now, but it had chandeliers hanging. It was a gorgeous little theater in Harvard Square. And Bonnie Raitt was the headliner, and we were all amazed because the startup band was Bruce Springsteen, and nobody had <laughs> nobody knew who Bruce Springsteen was. Oh, he was wow. not odd on the world stage. So we got to see the birth of Bruce Springsteen awesome. in Boston, and to me, <clears throat> that is the history that this book gives. Also, we were at the Harvard Stadium, Janis Joplin's yeah. last concert, and the city of Boston did a wonderful thing that summer. It was 1970, and it was called Summer Thing, And they would have concerts for $2. Now, I think they were doing this to squel the um, anti-war people that were marching and demonstrating and causing all kinds of havoc. We had a fight against that war. And so the government, I mean, the city of Boston was trying to, quell the rioting by holding concerts every Friday night. So Janis Joplin was one of the most interesting and the most sad because she mm-hmm. was gonna die just a few months later. Right. And so the whole story of that is in my book. So yes, along with the hardness of war, there's a real musical history in my book, there's a lot of fun, there's a lot of personal and private experiences of what it was like. For me, growing up in that age of you know experimental drugs, and um, surviving it so really i was surviving but a lot of us here were surviving those times Mm -hmm. and um, it's a spiritual book too because mostly I, i was show how raised catholic here in this area really was a huge grounding for me because every time i was faced with a tragic dilemma that was going on around me i always turned to prayer or some new book like you know autobiography of a yogi is in there and be here now so I always turn to spiritual solutions and that was my personal savior and my personal reason why I live to publish this book and uh, so now I just want to honor the ones who didn't mm. and honor the times it was a very special time frame yeah. those years
0: it was and I can remember I was 16 so you had come back home because Paul had to go back to Vietnam for a second tour duty, so I do remember thinking, how brave my sister was. You were alone and pregnant, and you were just—you were so brave to me. I, I said, I don't think I could ever be doing this, and you just went about life just, just calmly and praying, and and not making a big deal about it. Like you knew Paul was going to come home. Like you you had all the faith in the world that he'd be coming home. I remember that that was really really important for me to see mm-hmm. for myself mm-hmm. and um gee, uh, there was some other funny stories um when you actually actually after you ended up leaving Paul. I don't want to give away too much of the book, as I said, but after you left Paul. You, you you moved to Arlington for a little while with little Paul.
1: Mm-hmm. So she- you Well, know, you know, son. actually what I'd like to talk about is living at Thayer Street in Waverly. Oh, okay. Uh, because that was, living in Waverly Square was very comforting to me in those times. I was very safe. Belmont was a very safe place for me to be. I had both sets of grandparents around me and we, were, we could walk to Waverly Oaks, and my my little son now was three uh, to five living there, and um, we'll walk up to the duck pond. And so there's a lot of showing of Belmont in my book because it was very comforting to have that little brook down the street from us and take Paul there where I could pray. And um, there was a beautiful little church in Waverley, a white-steepled church that is no longer there either. But walking up the hill to the duck pond was quite a comfort. And going to the library, there's a scene in the book where I go to the library. I'm searching for help because I feel like I'm having a nervous breakdown, of course. I'm so young and so much going on in the trauma of my world. And I go to the library for my safety. I, I take my little son, and I feel scared. And so we go to the library. And I'm finding books to study to help me with my own uh, psychology. And I'm looking up at Nervous Breakdowns. But I walk into the library, and there's the newspapers for sale. And it says Watergate uh, disclosed.
0: Aww. So, I mean, the
1: history in my book is amazing. Young, young kids are going to read it. People don't talk about Watergate, you know, in general. But that was a huge thing where President Nixon, who won by a landslide in the presidential election, was caught lying and cheating and stealing. And so, I mean, I'm looking at these headlines going, oh, my God, it's not just me. This is crazy to have a president who would do this, you know. So I really show the times and I really show the town Um, in the town of Belmont, bike riding. It was a great town to bike ride around, and I had a bike with a baby seat. And Thayer Street, where I lived, was a little one-way street, and it was really safe for Polly to be on his big wheels. Mm -hmm. And I I show all of that, and I really show the culture of our town living in it and I like that because when I come I love this I love Mount Auburn Cemetery that was another thing of living in Belmont that I loved is being close to Mount Auburn Cemetery and there's a whole big scene in the book where I take Polly there and um, you know climbing up the big tower you know pretending we're gonna go save Rapunzel and yeah so it's a real local book in geography mm-hmm. it's a real place and um, I've had people read it that are not from this area at all because I've been living in Ashland, Oregon for the last 10 years. Right. And uh, this is where I got the book published out in that neck of the woods. But people out there have read it and say, I never felt so much like I just went to Boston, Irene. You know, I bring in the Red Sox and, you know, how the the love of baseball here is so mm-hmm. genetic. And the, the, and the weather, you know, I bring in all the, the storms that, you know can cripple us emotionally in New England sometime and then the fascythias start blooming so people have commented that they really felt like they took a tour of Boston and Mm -hmm. Belmont Mm -hmm. and Watertown in this area in my book so I'm really proud of that because I love this area and I'm really glad I got to bring it alive
0: yeah and Mount Auburn uh, cemetery is one of the national cemeteries in the second national cemetery in the country, I think.
1: Well, I've heard it said that it was one of the 10 most beautiful cemeteries in the world by National Geographic. Okay. I mean, it's a real arboretum. If any listener has not been there, I can't imagine it because you're all involved in Belmont, maybe hearing the Belmont story. But if perchance you haven't been there, it's an arboretum. It's wonderful walking those little paths. It's glorious in color. And I'm really lucky to live next to it. Right, right. Is Belmont still a dry town? Can you not buy alcohol here? I think you can buy alcohol now. Oh, it changed? Yeah. Okay, that was one of the things when I was living in Belmont. Yeah, growing up, Uh you could not. Uh Yeah, we still had the blue laws. I guess it shows how old I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One thing I just wanted to bring into this is how um, times haven't changed as far as the opioid addiction goes. Because back in the day, in the 60s, heroin was extremely popular. And look, we're in 2016, and our governor just signed a, a, a form, a petition to, to have drugs regulated better. And um, so to me, personally, this is a very, very big job we have ahead of us as, as a country. Um, you know putting an end to this this drug addiction and drug abuse so to speak Uh, it doesn't matter how old your child is I mean you might have a kid in elementary school and think gee my child will never do this and then all of a sudden they're 20 years old and and using some kind of drug and so that's a whole nother story in itself that is going to be played out
1: Yes, that's why I feel like my book is very current because it goes into the the addiction that our veterans got sucked into because they had PTSD that was undiagnosed. But still, 40 years later in today's world, it's become epidemic. And yes, we're all citizens of this town, this state, and this country. It's pretty prevalent in New England. I'm wondering how much it has to do with um, the sports Because there's so many sports players starting really young, and they had been giving, they have operations really young, hockey players, football players, and they, in the past, they've been put on pain pills pretty regularly, and that is what they're finding is the issue. Very young people are being put on pain pills because of sports injuries, and once you get in that loop, it's hard to get out. Mm -hmm. And, um, So I guess I'd like us to be a part of it. If it's an issue in this particular town of Belmont, with the Belmont Historical Society being part of why we're here today, then to get involved in our little town, what can we do here Mm -hmm. to make sure that the residents in our town, and it gets spread out, you know, to the next Mm -hmm. town. We're all connected, Mm -hmm. you know. um, But that's what I'd like to be part of because we have to make it go away. We have to do the activist work.
0: Right. Now, where were the, Donny Ray and Teddy Lee, where were they buried? Where are they buried here?
1: All three of the veterans in my book are buried at the Grove Street Cemetery here in Belmont. Oh, okay,
0: now where is Grove Street?
1: You're going down Belmont Street as if you're heading towards Harvard Square. Oh, okay. And you take a left on Grove. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's sad. So who was the third one? Paul McGrath, my first husband, is buried there and Teddy Lee and Donnie Ray. Oh, okay. Oh, and that's right, Richard DeBenedetto was mm-hmm. home
0: and made it mm-hmm. home. That's good, thank God for that.
1: And probably many others. Those are just the ones that I am aware of. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I left in 1974 and moved to Seattle, Washington. I had to survive the trauma of what I was going through with Paul's PTSD. And so I don't really know the history of how many more veterans Belmont has personally lost, but I do hear they're about to make a memorial here for all the veterans of Belmont and all the wars. So that's something I'd like to get more involved in and and find out what's going on there and be part of helping. Wow,
0: that's wonderful. It's
1: important to have a spot to go and think and meditate on all that's going on with veterans, Mm -hmm. all our veterans. And now to think of women veterans, it's kind of, that's when I guess my age really shows because I'm kind of amazed people have daughters that are really yes. affected by ptsd and war many, right many, now
0: many 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 daughters um
1: so reeney your book yeah one good tree where can we get it well you can see it on amazon buy it on amazon or you can order it at any bookstore does belmont have a bookstore at belmont center I, i'm not quite sure I don't
0: know. But there's plenty of them around. There's plenty of bookstores around. Anyway. So any bookstore, you can order it Mm -hmm. or it might be there. might already be there. Mm -hmm. And Amazon. So the title is One Good Tree. Mm -hmm. Who's the publisher?
1: Luminari Press.
0: Okay, good. Great. Well, thank you, Irene. This has been wonderful. And I wish you a lot of luck and a lot of sales. And have a good day.
1: Well, I'm really grateful for the opportunity thanking the Belmont Library and the book um, group for having us here today. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank
0: you.